Hey, welcome to Trauma Rama Ding Dong. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Jonathan Griffin. And this week we're talking about gaslighting and we have Jennifer Tuplin. She's a therapist with a private practice in the Manhattan Wellness Center. Say hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Good. Yay. We're so excited that you're on with us today. This is going to be Be awesome. Be excited. Be excited. Jennifer was just telling us that it's depressing as fuck in Manhattan right now and it's like gray and cold. So sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> sorry about that. I will survive. Don't worry. I'll make it <laughs> Yeah. She's healthy. She's a survivor. Resiliency. She's, that's right. Resilience. That's I right. Mean, that's what it fucking takes to make it in Manhattan. Jesus Christ. For real. I could never do it. I'll be honest with you. Oh my God. My mom was here for a week and she listened to the cast oh. and for in her religious time. Well, I like we listened to some of it, but it was funny because every time we said fuck or like mentioned the Lord's name in vain, oh, no, I was just like, Mer. no, but she was fine <laughs> with it. But it was just funny because you don't realize how, it's how just, often it's you hilarious. say it. fuck, fuck, Jesus, fuck. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, my mom is here now. She like your mom left and then my mom showed up here and all the moms. It's been great because my mom definitely cusses and whatever. But let me just tell you, fucking Rick Moranis, my cat. Uh, Rick. Rick Moranis is like, you know who I actually like more than you? Your mom. Truman, my dog liked my always chose my mom over me, which is fine. I feel so betrayed. We have have some trauma to work through in our relationship. Yeah, I'm like, did you find the did you find the peace spot? Oh my god, no, I. I don't know That's if it's my spot. No. So last week we were talking about how I was like 85% sure that he pissed in my room and no, I cannot find it. And like, it's sort of the scent disappeared, the not scent, the odor disappeared. So I think we're the okay. Odor. Yeah. The, the, um, eau de toilette. Woo. Wee wee. Wee wee for sure. Fucking wee wee for sure. But yeah, I'm like, my Venus in Scorpio is like, are you really going to sleep in her room and cuddle with her two nights in a row? For real? Like, I'm not. As a Scorpio, my penis is always in Scorpio. Your penis does, um, yeah, you have like a penis in Scorpio rising. All, yeah, all the time. Sometimes (laughs) rising. Sometimes not. Let's be honest. You know, yeah, sometimes retrograde. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of fucking retrograde, I woke up yesterday with a goddamn fever blister. And I was no! like, ah. and normally when I get a fever blister, I know why. I'm like, yeah, I've been so stressed out, or yeah, like I'm sick, you know, whatever. But this mm. one is just like, you know, Rum, it's been so long since we've hung out and just saying hi. Yeah, it just I've missed you. I was like, where the fuck did you come from? Like everything's chill. Hang out with my mom. Like I, I don't I'm I'm actually very upset about it. So this I don't I'm have a sorry but all over my face right now. So it's annoying. Oh, that's but- the worst. I actually had a herpetic conversation this week too oh. with my mom. Oh. Oh my God. We want to talk about that. We do want to talk about this. Okay. I have a, so my family is a bunch of white evangelical breeders um, and they chose not to vaccinate their children against Mm. mind you, they're in the medical field and have money. So it's not like they're not, it's not like they're uneducated or don't have access to the same information that I do, but they chose not to vaccinate their children against the herpes zoster virus, which causes, uh, chicken pox and then later on in life it causes shingles, shingles. Yep. um and i was like 
I was not prepared for that. Like I literally, like we FaceTime my older brother who has kids and they're having uh, like our age group, whatever. We all had chicken pox because there wasn't a vaccine and it's just something you live with, Um, whatever part of life, I guess. But I was honestly so shocked because he was like, oh, my kids are having the chicken pox right now. And I was like, oh my God, that's like totally like preventable like why would you subject and like I like couldn't filter it like I was like trying to anyway it kind of led to this whole thing where I felt shitty like I wasn't trying to tell them how to parent but at the same time I was like legitimately like if you could have prevented me from getting chicken pox and you didn't I would bring that up in therapy later or be like pissed (laughs) about it no I'm serious like I was like honestly shook but so wait, um, I, so just so I know, because I don't know this about this vaccine, because I also I actually got chicken pox as an adult. Because, we all did. I mean, it's one no, of those as things, an, sorry. no, like I didn't get it when I was little. I oh, never got it. got it. And I got it at like 35. <laughs> I got so fucking Shit. sick. Yeah. And I, oh, got, no. I got it because my sister got shingles. Oh and no. She had like, yeah, dude. And she was like on the other side of it, but she wasn't a hundred percent. And I went over to her house and she had made dinner. And I ate what she made and like, we hung out. And then like two days later, I woke up and had spots all over my hands. And I was like, what? (laughs) Okay. So here's what I'm asking. If you get this vaccine, it prevents you from getting shingles later in life. So when you're a child, okay. And again, to all our listeners and to Jennifer and to anyone who's listening, um, I'm not a doctor, but um, according to my web searches, um, so yeah, herpes zoster is the virus that causes, it's a form, it's a, it's a friend of the herpes simplex virus that causes mm-hmm. um, fever blisters as well as um, genital herpes, HSV one and two. But when before the vaccine, they've developed a vaccine in the last 20 years that prevents you from getting the virus. Wait, so Similar- this would have prevented me from getting fever blisters? No, God, oh, no. They haven't oh. developed that vaccine God yet, but I hope, I hope I hope, to God it comes. God. But um, the, I'm saying you get now kids have the access to that vaccine. So right. it prevents them from getting herpes zoster, which is the virus that causes chickenpox um, chicken and later and on in shingles. life shingles. Right. Okay, yeah. But it's called it's, it's considered or at least pre-vaccine. It was considered just like a childhood illness, like one that it's just sure. like a fact of life. Yeah, like just everyone bummer, gets it, yeah. live with it. Yeah, but um, now it's not. I mean, now it's preventable. Now it's like a thing. Like, but most people, like for your in your case, it's like your sister may or may not have had the vaccine, but she had a later on in life outbreak. Um, But yeah, you can get it if you didn't have it. But it's like kind of one of those things. Like once you have the um, like uh, antibodies or you have immunity built to it, like you often you like it's a a virus that lays dormant in your system, similar to the herpes virus. So um, like you can have outbreaks. So 70% of the population, if you listen to our episode on STDs um, actually has the virus, but only 20% of the population roughly um, experiences recurrent outbreaks. Mm. So it's like one of those things, it's like the luck of the draw, like whether or not you have the genetic makeup that makes you susceptible to outbreaks later on. So Guess, guess who has that? guess who does well now you won't get it again though i mean unless shingles later on but it's like kind of like hpv like once your body has dealt with it like not that you're good it's just like you have a better chance of not having recurrent outbreaks 
unless your immune system is severely just, compromised. Yeah, it's shit at the moment. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will say about vaccines that I do understand, like I just, I got my first Moderna shot like a couple of weeks ago and I'm fucking stoked. Thank you. I'm I like stoked. literally cried. I literally cried because I was so relieved, but, um, I'm I so relieved. It, it, one thing that is like a verifiable fact and it's like not secret and you can like totally research this online. It's very easy that they put formaldehyde in vaccines. And like, I get people being like, yeah, I don't really want to shoot myself up with formaldehyde or like shoot my kid up with formaldehyde. I understand that. So like, I get that there are like many angles to look from when it comes to vaccines, but like, just want to say that I cannot wait for the 21st, which is when I get my second shot of Moderna. And yeah, girl. When that fucking happens on, so because I get my second shot on the 21st, I become fully vaccinated on fucking Cinco de Mayo, which if anyone knows me, oh my though, God. I Cinco love a margarita. Drinko. Cinco oh de Drinco margarita. Love a margarita. I think that's kind of like a little form of white erasure, but because it you is. are I'm half Mexican. Yeah. So it's yes. fine. Cinco de Drinco. <laughs> I'm coming over. I'm coming to yes. Sedona. Please, we yeah. get those prickly pear margaritas. It's the goddamn best. Girl, I, my pear is so prickly for that margarita <laughs> right now. Prickle up, baby. Um, um, my thing on vaccines, I think this is just my hot take. And thanks for like, this is a gaslit conversation that I did not intend to have. But um, my take is like herd immunity. Like you, yes. I, I am all for independent choice or whatever. But like, it is literally the responsibility of a human that lives in proximity to other humans that you can put at risk based on your participation in something, your responsibility to prevent preventable illness for everybody. And that's just my take. I mean, like, you know, if you want to go be a billionaire on a private island and never have contact with another human, then I respect your right not to get vaccinated. But other than that, if you're going to live in a city and like rub up against strangers and like raw dog randos, then you should probably be like, I just shoot me up. Give me all the formaldehyde you got, baby. And honey, you don't even know. Oh, my God. I, honey, I know. Honey, I, I gonna, love and I know. Okay. I will be putting this fucking ass into crotches and grinding on dance floors like you wouldn't believe come single. Oh, yeah. I'm already ass up a non cum dump on grinder right now. <laughs> like, I'm actually getting barebacked in this moment. <laughs> um, also, wait, can I plug my piece that came out? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm and so excited. I know. Thank you. Honestly, thank you. It meant so much to me that you shared it on your stories. I was like, I would share ah. it again if I could. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah. So my piece, I wrote a piece for Marie Claire about, um, transferring all of my codependent tendencies from my anxious attachment style onto the tarot. <laughs> I'm laughing now. Uh, and anyway, so it's my personal essay and, um, I'm very excited about it. It took a lot. It's so fun to read. Like I read it twice and it was so fun each time, but some amazing shit in there, like held captive by the cosmos. Like what? <laughs> well, I didn't actually write that. It's whoever's writing. It's like, Oh, I don't care. I aspire. <laughs> yeah. They're a top editor. I was like, who was writing this deck? Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to be like in a CBT Dom sub relationship with the cosmos. Mm, yes. Oh my God. I want to, <laughs> what I want is to two-step with the Cosmos. And we are two-stepping with French the Cosmos. To a country band. Yeah. Oh my God, we're making that happen. Okay. Second vaccine, I'm getting a prickly pear enema vaccine margarita. 
and too subject to the cosmos. And I'm going to bring you some really cute boots for you to wear on the dance floor, some cowboy boots. Oh my God, I need some cute boots. <laughs> God, don't we all? Jesus Christ. And a 10 um, gallon hat. Yes, please. Yes. Is that I, what they're called? How I, many gallons? It's like, it's like 20 gallons. I'm just kidding. Okay. But what is <laughs> I don't understand that measurement. But it's okay. like a pool. Yeah, we don't, I don't get it either, to be honest. And yeah. I'm from Texas. Where's the gallon and the cap or a hat rather? Yeah. And also my dad who has like, was born and raised in Texas, still lives in Texas. He's never fucking worn a cowboy hat. Just so everyone knows like. Tejas. Tejas. I'm down with that. I like, I love a good like contrarian yeah yeah and also yeah he well he's a jazz musician so you know hot i actually just ran into i used to um book jazz musicians as a part of my life right. when i ran a jazz club shockingly um but in uh the park next to my house they have like sunday jazz for free and i just ran into uh tony peoples who is a um academy or not academy award sorry uh grammy award-winning musician just amazing fucking dude and he was playing his amazing alto sax in the park and we just had a little catch-up and that was really fun and tony peoples if you're listening you rule and everyone else out there you should give him a listen i will actually that's great another another plug yeah well should we should we do it uh yeah we should and i such a juicy one Yes. Okay. Gaslighting, dude. What about it? Oh my God. Throwing the gas in and lighting it up. Lighting it up, baby. So my trauma light this week, my wee little trauma bite is actually about a time that I gaslit someone else. (laughs) Oh my God. A wee trauma bite. I love that. So, Oh my God. We have to formulate our, that's going to be merch one day. (laughs) Wee little trauma bite. (laughs) Gluten-free trauma bites. (laughs) So picture it. It's 1987. Madonna, Smurfs, fucking mm. acid wash, everything. Glow worms. My friend Clarissa spends the night at my house and my mom lets us sleep in her bed. Well, guess what? I was a bedwetter. I was peeing in my sleep every day. I mean, <laughs> maybe not every day, but like pretty much consistently. And as you can imagine, it was a huge fucking bummer. So... I mean, like already you can see where this is going. Clarissa comes over to spend the night. We're like, did she explain it all? (laughs) This was pre Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, I know. I mean, what was life before Clarissa explains it all? Also, where's Clarissa? No floral printed bucket hat. Like, can Clarissa please come explain it all to me now? Because things have made much less sense since that time. Um, Okay, so Clarissa's over at my house. We're like nipple deep in Barbies till bedtime. We climb in my mom's bed. I go to sleep and have a dream that I still fucking remember. The dream is that I'm at school and I have to pee so bad. So I open my backpack. It's purple with pink flowers. <laughs> I squat over it and in my dream, watch my pee collect inside my backpack. Okay. You do need an OnlyFans account, but not as a child, but like current. <laughs> Just me peeing in backpacks. Yeah. Floral print. Okay, but honestly, I'm down. If anyone knows how I can get a job, like sending pictures of my feet for money, I'm like so fucking down for that. <laughs> Used underwear, you can't, girl. There's that is a market. Yes, for I sure. know, and I want to make money doing it. So send me like the fucking deets. Love. Okay, so anyway, I wake up in my pee, and you know who else wakes up in my pee? <laughs> oh, that's 
That's right. My friend Clarissa. And she looks right oh, at no. me and she goes, she just looks at me. And she goes, you peed in the bed. I mean, well, it's accurate. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, I was a pretty smart six-year-old. So I was like, let me think of a really clever way out of this because the shame is overwhelming. So I look right at Clarissa and I go, no, Clarissa, you peed in the bed. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, Des- my God. Despite Side the fact step. that like, this retort is fucking airtight and logical and really smart, Clarissa manages to poke a hole in it. She goes, but it's under you. It's on uh, your side of the bed. <laughs> she's like, she's like reasoning logic. She's like, hello. Well, guess what, Clarissa? Here comes this mind-blowing alternative fact for you. I go, oh that's because, Clarissa, we switched places in the night and then you need uh, here and then we uh, switched back. <laughs> okay, Trump. Yeah, exactly. Ex- if, I have a Trump exactly. story. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you have a Trump story? Yeah, but keep going. But okay. I, okay, no, okay. So one of my friends was when I lived in Venice Beach was um, went to school at UPenn with Donald Trump Jr. and he was apparently a bedwetter, and oh. still is. Oh, yes. Okay, fucking, we love this dirt. This yeah, okay, piping hot. But okay. anyway, Clarissa was like, okay, no, and Clarissa was not having it. She was like, we didn't switch places, and I was just like, look, girl, you know, I'm sorry that you can't come to terms with the fact that you made me sleep in your pee, but here Damn. we are, you know, facts are facts, and now I have to go tell my mom that you peed in her bed, so... you're welcome for handling this for you and for not being mad that you peed on me. Uh, (laughs) And she was just like rolling her eyes. So definitely not a successful attempt at gaslighting, but I, I really tried, you know, I really tried. And that's what matters, you know, that you always give it your best. But in, in terms of very nineties, very nineties advice there. (laughs) This is like my reading rainbow moment. Yeah. Um, but in terms of my trauma-rama around gaslighting, there are actually so many ways I could go with this. Like, you know, so so many opportunities, just like a life fertile with gaslighting. But I feel like I want to start with the definition of gaslighting because I think we talk about it a lot, but aren't always clear on what we're talking about. So I, I found this on the internet, which is how I know it's true. Wait, Gas- the internet. On the internet, baby. Mm. Gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse where a person or group makes someone question their sanity, perception of reality, or memories. Mm. People experiencing gaslighting often feel confused, anxious, and unable to trust themselves. Yes. I'm going to go a little bit further in that, but that's very good. Okay. That's a real one. Yeah. So here's a more recent example A couple years ago, a guy who'd been my roommate years before got back in touch with me and a little backstory. He and I had hooked up before he moved out. So there was like kind of a vibe. No. Okay. Or not. You don't have to. It was. No, it wasn't. We were, we were not a sexual match. Let's just, I mean, and we didn't have sex, but you know, the vibe wasn't really there, but I really liked him. You know, I I really Mm -hmm. liked him and I had never told him while we were living together that I had a big crush on him. But anyway, it had been years, like seven years or something. And at first it was just like, you know, he like reached out to me again. It was like basic DMs, like a little bit flirty, but not intensely. And then then we started texting. He made me a playlist at one point. Oh no, that's, that's poison in a reconnection relationship. Yeah. Yes. The texts become increasingly more flirty. And then 
one night and like he would like send me he'd be like I'm at the beach and like send me a selfie from the beach like you don't do that with friends you know like that's something that it's like if you've hooked mm. up with someone and you're kind of being flirty, it's like, okay, something's going on here. Okay. But yeah, was- if you've split a PG and Ebill and then they're sending you a <laughs> selfie pic, it's like, Thank you. yeah, I better either be carrying your child or you're paying my bills. Thank you. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. There's like an unspoken rule. So anyway, I, but like, still it was not like anything serious. It was still just like fun and we're being sweet, you know? So then right. one night I'm out dancing and I get a text from him. Okay. By the way, at Two this step- point, no, but I was in Austin. I was in Austin and he was in LA. So mm. I'm out dancing and I get a text from him and it's a Sufjan Stevens song Ooh. that I don't, I've, that I was like, Oh, I don't know this song. And I text him back and I'm like, Hey, I'm out dancing. I'll listen to this soon. And he's like, and he texts back and he's like, Hey, like I miss you drunk and you left an indelible mark on my soul <sighs> in Los Feliz. That's where we live uh. together. That is a fucking direct quote. You left an indelible mark on my soul. Okay. So Ooh. indelible for those who aren't familiar means unable to be removed, a mark that's unable to be removed. Okay. Oh my goodness. So obviously I'm losing my shit at this point because he's just basically said the thing that I dream of the person I want to be with saying to me, you know, and I'd had such a big crush on him when we lived together. So I was like, mm. oh, Oh my God, it's happening. Like, I'm going to fucking fall in love. Yes, yes, yes. This is, this is real. So I was, like I said, okay, I'm in Austin. He tells me that same night after all of this, after like some back and forth that he's going to come out to Austin and it's going to be so amazing and all this shit. And then I go home and listen to the song. And it's a song about being in love with someone, but not being able to tell them. So I'm over here like, holy shit. Okay. This guy is smart. He's funny. He's on the right side of politics. He's employed. He has great taste in music. When you say the right side of politics, you mean not the right. No, I don't mean right. I mean the correct. Right side of history, guys. Right side of history. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Jennifer. Not not Trumpies peeing in your own bed. (laughs) Which no shame to the bedwetters out there. I mean, bedwetting is real. Yeah. And I really struggled with it as a little girl. I just piddled the other day. But okay, not not in my bed, but like I had been out at the farmer's market and there was no toilet. And then I like waited till I got home and just a tiny little squirt as I walked in the door. You know what? Okay. Have you ever, have you ever been on a trampoline as an adult? (laughs) No. Oh my God. The pee just comes out like little, like tiny squirts. I don't know why. Okay. If you say that again and we're not recording it and making money from it, I'm, I think we're going to have to part ways in this relationship. (laughs) Oh, you, it's so real. Okay. So anyway, I was like, this is really fucking young. And before I go to bed that night, he texts me that he, that he wants to wrap me in his arms and that he's coming out to Austin ASAP. I wish he was coming out because that would make this whole story better. (laughs) And then I don't fucking hear from him for like three days. And this is after we've been texting like pretty consistently, like pretty much every day or every other day. And then he mm-hmm. like unleashes this whole thing on me. And then I don't hear from him at all. Ew. And when we do start texting again, he's like sending me love songs, but suddenly be- being really wishy-washy about coming to Austin and just like being weird. So finally I get sick of this and I'm just like, I don't know if he's in a vulnerability shame spiral or if he was lying when he texted me all that stuff or what. And let me also pause here to say that my experience of this dude, because we lived together for like maybe nine months, like just under a year. Right. And we were friends, like 
roomy dance party, watch a weird documentary, order soup together, friends. Soup friends. Yes. Fucking soup friends. Okay. So I'm thinking this is a solid dude who's having a hard time with vulnerability right now. Like it did not occur to me in any way that he would have been leading me on for fun or anything. Anyway, I finally am not over. I'm like, I just don't, I'm this whole thing about like not knowing what's going on. I just can't do it anymore. I'm like, this isn't fucking high school. I'm almost 40 at that point. I was almost 40. Like, I don't have time to fuck around. So I just send him this long ass text. It's super honest and vulnerable. I throw all my cards on the table. I'm like, hi, I always had a crush Mm. on you back in the day. I really like you. I really want you to come out here. But if you're just like getting stoned or something and sending. Wait, you mean you were like practicing like clear communication? I was, I was doing such a good job. I was like. That's literally my fetish. And it was, thank you. Me too. Like I would orgasm so hard just looking at a text like that, that someone sent me. You know what I mean? squirting right now just thinking about it that's what I'm fucking saying so I was like I'm doing a great job here I am I'm like gonna tell you everything but also I was like hey but also like if you're just kind of you know inebriated and sending me this shit and like telling me that I fucking took a sharpie to your soul but that's not actually where you're at then like no hard feelings but those texts need to stop right let me preface the boundary which is also another fetish of mine but yeah And like, yeah, good job me. Right. So like I 100% expected him to text back a screenshot of his ticket to Austin. I was like, there's no way with what a good guy he is that he would have sent me that stuff if he didn't mean it. Right. Yeah. Well, we are not a total sociopath. Right. We, so yeah, so we know where this is going and it's not to a fucking Texan rendezvous. He writes back that he was sorry. He writes back. That he was, I'm like having a hard time wrapping my head around this. He was sorry Uh, if his quote, goofy late night texts had confused me. Goofy, he called them. He was drunk. And that he hoped I hadn't been, but this had been going on at this point for like a couple months. I mean, that one text was intense. Yes. But like, we goofy late night text. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? And that he hoped I hadn't been reading into the songs he was sending me. songs that he thought I would like and that I'm a no. lovely person but he had no way of knowing if he liked me in a romantic way so what's so fascinating about this experience to me now is that I did not realize in the moment that I was experiencing gaslighting like I honestly thought wow I'm so stupid I don't know how life works I don't know how to read signs by the way when he sent me that text when I was out dancing because it's two hours earlier in California. It was like 6 30 right. in the evening where he was. It wasn't what? like 11 o'clock at night. Right. Which is why I wasn't like, Oh, he's probably wasted. So right. anyway, fucking side note. Anyway. Fucked I, up though. Yeah. It was fucked up. Right. So anyway, I, I, I felt like, um, I thought I was really dumb and I thought, I don't know how to read signs. Mm. These are all friend signs. And I was so sure they were romantic, but obviously I'm an idiot and that, and, and that's how gaslighting works, right? Like you make right. a person feel like an idiot for having an absolutely valid experience. And that right. brings me to my second story. The reason but that's exactly it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But the reason I didn't know right away that I was being gaslit by this dude was because gaslighting happened a lot in my childhood. So that sense of right. not being able to trust your perception of reality, that was my norm for a long time. And to a degree, I honestly still wrestle with it. 
So story number two, when I was about 29 or so, I had a blog like everyone fucking did in 2010. Mm. And I wrote a post. Was it a WordPress? Were you like, <laughs> it was a blog spot. Live journal. Okay. Actually, it's still up somewhere. <gasps> and, yeah. Oh my God. That's my next Google mission. After this. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, what was it called? Uh, <sighs> yeast confections. Oh yeah. Confections. I read you it. I followed you. Yeah, I'm still following you. Yes. I started it. Yes. Oh my God. I love <laughs> yeast confection. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my God. Thank oh, you for that work. You're welcome. You are so yeah. welcome. So anyway, I wrote a post and actually it was after that dude I talked about in this, in a previous episode that, that, that dude sent me an email that just said, I hate you in all caps after we hooked up. Oh my God. So I talked about that. Um, that's another merch opportunity, by the way, sorry, <laughs> a yeast confection. We're making bites. Trauma oh my God, trauma. And yeast confections. Like a wee oh little trauma bite from our yeast confections. And they're going to be all paleo. <laughs> ashwagandha all up filled. in it. Oh my God, my ashwagandha. I'm like already, <laughs> I'm boofing some ashwagandha. Can you, can you ashwagandha? Um, I already did. It's like up <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I wrote this blog post and I was reflecting on how, um, like how me being sort of excited about him saying that he hated me instead of just like not giving a fuck about me at all was a trauma response to having had an abusive dad. And that mm. was like kind of all I said about my dad. Like most of the post was about my experience with the dude. Anyway, someone my dad grew up with in the tiny ass town where they grew up was secretly following my blog, like a creepy small town weirdo well basically she told my dad she like reached out to my dad and sent the blog post to him because of course my it's not like my dad gave a fuck about like anything I was doing including the fact that I had a blog and so she told my dad that I was spreading lies about him and saying that he was abusive so my dad writes me a letter telling me that I'm a brat that I'm spoiled that I'm full of hate and that he doesn't need or deserve my vitriol ew Yeah. So obviously this is a great example of denying someone's reality, but more than that, and this is something that I think you see a lot in gaslighting. It's not just denying someone's reality. It's changing the narrative completely so that the victim becomes the abuser and the abuser becomes the victim. Right. And Trump of course was, and is the fucking grandmaster of this tactic. So, and his son is just peeing all over the state. Well, wouldn't you like, wouldn't if Trump was your dad, wouldn't you just be pissing yourself constantly? Anyway, I mean, that's that is attachment trauma, a lot of things there. A lot of things. Mm -hmm. So what has helped me with gaslighting? The number one thing for me has been acknowledging that I was raised around gaslighting. And as a result, Mm. I don't always see it right away. So just knowing that about myself, and by the way, I have no shame around that. I don't get mad at myself for that. I just recognize it. And that gives me a little space around a situation for me to check in and see like how the situation feels. If in a situation I'm saying to myself, wow, I must be so stupid. I have no idea how anything works. The thing, you know, that this person is saying is so different from what I was thinking about the situation. That's like kind of a red flag. Like people are allowed to have different perspectives, but if I am like thinking to myself, like, wow, I'm a total idiot. I don't know how anything works. I'm not an idiot. And I do know how things work. So if that's going on in my head, that's like a red flag for me. Like, okay, chances are I'm being gaslit. Because the truth is, you know, there's no, there's no way I don't at this point know my way around some shit. The other thing, and this is something I'm working on more and more is just telling people who are gaslighting me 
that they're wrong. And right. it's not because I need to get them to admit it in order to be okay. Cause I know most of the time people who gaslight you are never going to own up to it, but mm. especially after being a child who was gaslit a bunch and who didn't really have a voice at the time, vocalizing and naming these moments is very affirming and strengthening for me. It empowers right. me to stand in my truth and to be an advocate for my truth. And also, of course, it's a really important way to establish boundaries and not allow that behavior to continue, which can mean cutting people from your life or, you know, people having to, you know, you asking people to leave your life or making people leave your life. And that's absolutely fine too. So right. that's what I got, baby. What do you got? That was, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, just that you're in that place that you're like, I, you know, I think that, um, I have always fancied myself like a good susser out of bullshit. Yeah. You're you know? Scorpio. Yeah. I am. But also like, I have been personally gaslit so many times yeah. that, and every time I'm like, how dare I believe that like this person, you know, like, because the other piece is like, I think culturally speaking, we're always kind of trained to believe that like people at their core are good right because we trustworthy. are right yeah and like trustworthy and like you can like sit at the table and have a conversation and like get to the bottom of it and that like kind of good naturedness is mm. what these folks the gaslighting folks um feed on and they right. like seek it out in a way, you know, and manipulate you into believing. And that's, you know, Remy, I just have a lot of compassion for you and also for myself and for anyone who has been in that situation. Like, how dare we believe people, <laughs> you know? And like, another thing is like bitterness. Like, I really work hard not to become like a curmudgeon shrew as I get older because sure. I it's want easy to, to do. Well, also, I want to make space in my life for, like, surprise and wonder and, like, yes. love for my fellow human as opposed to, like, you know, if I sit with all the times that I've been gaslit or, like, accused or, like, lied about or, like, all of these shitty things that fucked up people do, it's really tempting to believe that, like, nobody's trustworthy, you know? Ugh, I go through that a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that into this conversation. But, like, also the awareness just around that and, like, the compassion that it can kind of lead to. Because, you know, I've also at some points have, you know, deceived folks and I've been deceived. And, you know, I think that that's part of an aware, you know, bringing an awareness to that and, like, I don't know. I cultivate like compassion for everyone yeah. in that scenario. But so you earlier, you talked about the, um, what, the you know, the, the definition of, of gaslighting and you were pretty, you were on point. Um, the APA, which is interesting because even the term gaslighting is from a movie Oh, Actually, wondered. originally, Gaslight, it's a 1938 stage play. And then there were two later film adaptations in 1940 and 1944. Hmm. And surprisingly not, um, it's about a wife who's driven to near insanity by the deceptions of her husband. Oh, my God. For real. Oh, right. my God. Wait. So, yes. Wait. What is well, this called? Gaslight. No, but oh, is that what the play is called? 
Yeah, that's where the term is derived from. Oh, amazing. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a verb. Um, I mean, now it's used clinically, which is interesting, and also in politics and in sociology and also just in everyday vernacular. But um, yeah, it's a verb to manipulate another person into doubting his or her or their perception, experience, or understanding of events. Um, The term once referred to manipulation so extreme as to induce mental illness or to justify commitment of the gaslighted person to a psychiatric institution, Mm -hmm. which can happen, but it is now used more generally. Um, So yeah, it's like a, it's a colloquialism, um, but it's occasionally, like I said, it's seen in like clinical literature um, and is, for example, um, used to describe like manipulative tactics associated with antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I once dated a sociopath and kind of knew it. Um, mm-hmm. but How'd you, know? How'd you know? I just felt it. Like mm-hmm. their stories didn't ever match up oh. and the things that they did and said did not match up and the lies that they told me were pretty apparent. But also I really genuinely wanted to believe that they were good and that yeah. they loved me. Sure. Um, and then I actually recently in the last year or so hate fucked them, but, um, (laughs) I don't recommend that, especially for, yeah, but, um, I did it. So there it is. There it is. Um, yeah. Mm. I wonder if there's any, um, legally, I don't know the the libel trouble that I can get into for that, but they were a fucking sociopath. Like literally like. You're not naming any names. No, no names have been named. Um, but yeah, so gaslighting involves a group it can involve a group or an individual. Um, And like, yeah, I think that it can be conscious or unconscious and is carried Mm -hmm. out covertly. Um, And like, that's the the tricky and insidious piece of that is that like the resulting emotional abuse is not overtly abusive. So like on its face, it doesn't seem, you know, abusive. You're not knocking Um, anyone's teeth out. So yeah. Or does. even like if you're manipulative enough, you can talk yourself into, you know, being the, the right person or the good person. Right. Um, and gaslighting depends on or like rests on convincing the victim that the victim's thinking is distorted. And secondly, persuading the victim that the victimizer's ideas are correct and true. Mm-hmm. Um, so gaslighting induces this cognitive dissonance in the victim and like often emotionally charged cognitive dissonance and it makes the victim question their own thinking their perception their reality testing and it really it's so fucked up because it invokes in you like this low self-esteem and these like disturbing ideas and effects and may facilitate like a development of confusion anxiety depression and like mm. even in extreme cases psychosis oh my because God, that... yeah if you believe the world if you don't trust yourself and if you don't trust the reality that you live in, it can really, especially if you're on, you know, the verge anyway, it can be that thing. Right. Right. Um, And after the victim loses confidence in their mental capacity and develops a sense of learned helplessness, they become so susceptible. Mm. Um, Yeah. Not, not only to like their flawed reality testing, but also to the victimizer or the gaslighter. Right. Mm. Um, And 
the other piece, not only was the woman that gaslighting named after the woman in that scenario, but like it tends to be people with less power or authority or control. Mm. Um, well, and, and we see it like, you know, on a cultural scale and a social scale in our country that that happens all the fucking time. You know, all the fucking time, like trying to tell black people that like cops actually are just treating them just fine. It's just fine. Your experience, right. what, like what? No, no, that's and uh, Remy, that's a really good point, because the next piece I was going to talk on is like so, so sociologists use this a lot and like cognitive dissonance and white supremacy are really good friends, shockingly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as seen and evidenced by Trump and that whole like 100 percent. Yeah. Um, But a group of people that acts as the victimizer, like gaslighting does its damage through a group's member. Right. And like these small, often invisible actions that have power through their accumulation and reinforcement. Um, So microaggressions in whiteness are, you know, people of color or queer people, um, people who know about microaggression on their face, right, microaggressions don't seem harmful. Um, But then when you look at them with like a closer lens, you're like, of course, this is like death by a million cuts. And then, you know, the person of color is the one who gets called crazy for feeling like they're being victimized by racism or the queer person. Like even I just recently, like I said, I had a thing, a conversation um, last week with a friend who I was like, I felt unseen and like victimized by you. And they were kind of like, you're crazy. And I was like, no, I mean, whether or not you intended to hurt me, I was hurt. And you do not get to tell me whether or not I am hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just another way, right? That's like another form of gaslighting. Um, that occurs. But I think we're in a better place with that relationship. But I, I just oh, wanted good. to name that because it comes up in relationship all the time, all the and time. especially trying to have a healthy relationship with someone like even myself, like I try to name myself as victimizer too, because mm-hmm. I am not perfect. And a lot of these behaviors are learned and culturally embedded, right in relationships. So just bringing this awareness to it is like a step in that nonlinear healing path. Um, but yeah, so that's a little piece. Um, so there's another um, part of this. Um, it's called the illusory truth effect. And it's a phenomenon in which a listener comes to believe something primarily because it has been repeated so often. Oh, um, you know, yes, I've heard it. I won't name names, but there's a person in my life who was super abused um, as a child. And one of the things she told me was that her stepfather, who was the abuser would tell her that she was worthless all the time. Mm. And, and she, and like, to me, this person is like so wonderful in so many ways. But when I, when I was like, but you know, why, why is it that you weren't just like, and this was many years ago, I was probably in my twenties when this conversation was happening. So I didn't know shit, but I was like, what, you know, how did, why, why do you, why did you think that was true? And she was like, because he said it so many times that I just, yeah. So anyway, yes. And and that's, that's that piece around once you've normalized this lie that's been told to you so many times, right. It just becomes your reality. 
This is the same thing with like the greatest, the greatest country in the world, you know, oh, yeah. but we yeah, don't American have socialized healthcare. The, yeah. Yeah. No Where millions of people are dying from preventable, preventable disease because they don't have <laughs> yeah. access. Right. But totally. the greatest country in the world. But we're the fucking greatest. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. President Bedwetter over here. <laughs> Not that bedwetting's bad. I just want to like bring that in. And but also he, cause, he... he causes bedwetting in his children. That's what I want to say. Yeah, I love my twin dove, but they have, they love to um, hydrate. They're like obsessed with hydration, always hydrating, but always peeing. Yeah. Um, And they're like, they're like, it's a gamble, right? Because I pee all the time and it's annoying, but also I'm obsessed with hydrating. And I was like, girl, just live. (laughs) Also normalize pee talk. Also, yeah, normalize electrolytes. Just have some electrolytes. Yeah, deaf, most deaf. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that's a danger is that like, and another way in which the victim has like become to believe this thing that they are told. Um, but the greatest transgressors or victimizers in these situations tend to be sociopaths and narcissists. Mm-hmm. Um, narcissists shocking. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And okay, I just want to pause and say, this, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. And I think that this merits a whole other episode, but I... Mm. When, when I have looked into how do you raise someone to become a narcissist? And there are two ways. One of them is it's like- It's called the, the U.S. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, maleness. Thank you. Well, this is, this is exactly my point is that the, there are two ways. One is like you abuse them to the point where they like can't, it, that's one way. But another way, and I won't go into that, but another way is- Or you put them into football or you put them into basketball and you teach them to be competitors, winners, rapists, you right. know, like that's well, like- the construction you, of maleness you teach you teach you entitle them you make sure that they never have to take responsibility for themselves you teach them mm. that they are better than others and mm. that is how as a culture and as a country but also many countries do this but as a culture we raise straight men Ex- exceptionalism right we, exactly we, we're like oh you raped her well it's probably her fault like oh um, we made an oral contraceptive that you can take. Oh, but turns out it has half the side effects as the one we created for women. So that's too dangerous right. for you. You can't take it. Like right, right. In so many ways we teach as a culture, we teach straight men that they are not responsible for their bullshit, mm. that they are better than everybody else. They make, they do the exact same work or worse work. Let's be honest and make better money. Like we, right. We well, teach then, them to be narcissists. And then we have all these men who have narcissistic tendencies and we're like, why? And it's like, well, right. Okay. Sorry. That's my rant. No, but Go yeah. Ahead. And like also in a system where like 70% of law enforcement are abused their wives oh, God. and it's like, okay, these are the people who we're enforcing or like are racists or rapists. Totally. And like, yeah, it's systemic for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but what is that? So I think also talking about Trump is pretty apt here because they presented themselves as like this, like, you know, out of nowhere, like, you know, rule breaker or whatever. And that's like classic sociopaths. Like sociopaths consistently transgress social mores. They break laws. They exploit others, but typically are also convincing liars. Right. Right. Um, Charming often. Like that's the Mm -hmm. trouble with sociopaths and narcissists. They're usually really fucking charming. Um, and they consistently just deny any wrongdoing or, um, guilt or liable liability. Um, 
And that's why, you know, people who are victimized by sociopaths, they tend to doubt their own perception of reality because they're like, this whole world supports this narrative in which I'm the crazy one. Um, And it's like, you either like accept that and say, okay, well, I'm crazy or you go along with it. Um, And that's why I microdose on mushrooms and meditate and (laughs) sing in the shower. Um, But yeah, and then like some physically abusive spouses, like I don't know if you've ever been around or that, but like I've been in a house with that and there's so much gaslighting that has to do with Mm -hmm. that. Like, and women are justifying, like he doesn't hit me or he loves me or it's not really him. Um, Or or he was drunk or- Right. Right. Yeah. And then gaslighting also occurs in a lot of like parent child relationships. Yes. Um, Yeah. Where either the child or the parent, um, they lie to each other and like attempt to undermine perception. And like you said, as a child, you did that because in a world where there's only one right and one wrong, and we're taught all of these things in terms of competition, like when you were in that bed, like you recognized that like your social status and your status in that relationship were potentially under threat, right? Right, yeah. And so your response to that is like, I didn't do it. Right. You know, I would have smelled your pants or I would have made use, I would have been like, whose panty is wet, girl? I was like, <laughs> I'd be like, panty check. Lift those panties. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, or I would not in a weird way, but um, girl, if we're ever sleeping in a bed and you pee on me, I'm gonna, we're, there's gonna be a <laughs> be, panty wait. check. We are going to be sniffing those. We're going to live stream a panty check um, <laughs> for our OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> Pay us, though. Yeah, I think that, like, when we're talking about this, like, the psychological manipulation um, include making the victim question their memory, their perception, their sanity. Um, and it's like this whole thing around invalidation. Like, you're crazy. Don't be so sensitive. Don't be paranoid. I'm just joking. Right. And then the fucking clincher is like, I'm worried about you. Like you don't, are you okay? Um, There's also Patricia Evans, who's a sociologist and she talks about the seven warning signs of gaslighting. Mm. Do tell. Yeah. uh, Here we go. So like um, withholding information from the victim, Mm -hmm. countering information to fit the abuser's perspective, Mm -hmm. um, discounting, information Uh, using verbal abuse usually in the form of a joke so trying to make it seem like lighthearted, blocking and diverting the victim's attention from outside sources so isolating the victim uh trivializing or minimizing the victim's worth or perception which that happens all the fucking time don't be so sensitive you're crazy um are you on your period right Undermining the victim by gradually weakening them and their thought processes. Um, Yeah. So Evan considers it necessary to understand the warning signs in order to process the healing from it. Um, So there's another, a psychologist who I love, Eleanor Greenberg. Um, She's described three common methods for gaslighting. Um, And I'm only bringing this in because I feel like everyone should have something in their toolbox. Um, especially identifying um, these things. So um, hiding is one of the things, a huge method in gaslighting. Um, And the abuser may hide things from the victim, very similar to what we heard earlier, um, and cover up 
what they have done. Instead of feeling ashamed, the abusers may convince the victim to doubt their own beliefs about the situation and turn the blame on themselves. Mm. So turning people into self-blamers is like huge. Uh, Changing is the other one. Um, The abuser feels the need to change something about the victim, whether it be the way the victim dresses or acts, they want the victim to mold into their fantasy. If the victim does not comply, the abuser may convince the victim that he or she is, in fact, not good enough. Mm, How many times have I felt not good enough for the person that was abusing me? Literally. It's my fault. Right. If I was better. If I'm not good enough, then let's wrap up this relationship. I think something that's been an underpinning throughout this whole conversation, but not outright said is, it's a negative relationship. It's a negative interaction. And if someone's mm. constantly telling us, you're wrong, you're crazy, you're doing, then why are you saying? If I'm so crazy, if I'm so distorted, why are you doing me this favor? And I right. think that so often we stop trusting our gut when in right. reality, it's the best compass that we can follow. So in that moment where someone's constantly knocking you down and telling you that you know, your experience is inaccurate, like, okay, well then let's wrap this up. Because clearly we're living in two different universes. And I think so often, you know, Remy, like you had shared in your experience, this guy basically manipulated you, sent you love songs like, hey, boo, no, you told me that you'll never, you know, fill up that gap. You also sent me all these songs, like, that's up, own it. Right. Let's move on. But I think the discomfort we have with saying, you're making me feel crazy or stating a boundary and having a preference of this isn't working. Right. It's uncomfortable to tell someone that they're hurting us. And I think that's really, you know, one of the simplest ways of recognizing this. Absolutely, Jennifer. Yes. And I think that, too, one of the things that abusers cannot handle is confrontation, being confronted mm-hmm. with their abuse. And yeah. it's that's the most powerful tool I think anyone in this situation can have is just confronting it outright and being like, I know that I am not fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And just go, you know, speaking that truth to the abuser is such a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, But also like, especially if someone's trying to do this, like seek, seek community, um, make sure other people know, like by no means, if you feel like you're in a relationship with a narcissist or a sociopath or a victim, like I'm not advocating for people to, to put themselves in potentially dangerous confrontation, always seek um, help. Especially if you feel like the person that out there is going, has any danger, poses any danger to you. So I just wanted to say that. Um, But third, she says control. So the abuser may want to fully control and have power over the victim. In doing so, the abuser will try to seclude them from other friends. So this is what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, like include people, include your family, include the people who care about you, Um, because the abuser feeds off of this um, isolation. um, And it's the influence that they wield over your thoughts and actions. Um, And the abuser, ultimately, the thing to note is that the abuser gets pleasure from knowing that they're controlling the victim. Um, so just being someone's plaything, you know, just pleasuring them and their sociopathic or narcissistic bullshit is everyone is better than that. Everyone deserves better than that. Were you going to say something, Remy? Yeah, I had the thought, like what you're describing about isolating people, that's how cult leaders work, right? They isolate you Fucking, from your family. Right. They, like they tell you, you know, 
like that heaven's gate group like they were only friends with each other for like fucking 10 years or whatever the fuck it was wild like they all right. had to say goodbye to their families that is how cults work right And also as cults work, you know, there's all of these things like you can know because I think the the thing about the crazy making piece around what being told that you're crazy for living in reality, um, there's a lot of other ways. There's like a few other ways that, um, you know, I would recommend in terms of responding and taking back control. Um, so first make sure it's gaslighting and by doing, uh, there's several ways that you can, um, do that, but also take some space from the situation, like step back, don't isolate yourself, um, collect evidence around how, you know, that it's gaslighting, um, speak up about that behavior, like call that shit out, um, remain this is one that I've really healed with and it's like remaining confident in my version of reality and events and like reassuring myself, having compassion for myself, but fucking be confident that your reality is true. Um, And this is another one that I love is like focusing on self-care. Like I take baths, (laughs) but there's so many ways like you can practice self-care and focus on that. Um, involve others. Again, I think that that's really important. Um, the other thing you find, and I found this too, is when you bring it out and you talk about it and you're like, I'm being gaslit, other people will support you. Like, because pe- people have been victim, you know, and victims, that's like the biggest power we wield in this conversation is uh, how many of us have been victims and how many of us can like help each other. Um, And then lastly, I would say always, if you are in this, you're not in this alone, know that, but also seeking professional support is something that I would super recommend for anyone that is in an abusive um, gaslighting situation. Um, I think that that's crucial. Um, That said, um, I wanted to go ahead and invite Jennifer Teplin, our friend who is in Manhattan, um, the Manhattan wellness uh, therapist. Yay, Jennifer. Hi. Yay. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being on. And I am so curious. I mentioned this to you in an email, but the um, Bailey who connected us was like, um, when I, when you said that you were doing an episode on gaslighting, I was like, you have to talk to Jennifer. And I'm so, <laughs> I'm so curious why you were like her, the first thought that she had, or do you even know why? I have to be honest with you. One, I love that. And two, um, one, I love that. I think one here for it Two, I think the reason why it came up for her and through all the conversation that you guys have been having, you know, the word that's been said, but not really said is self-esteem and low self-esteem. Yeah. And my practice in Manhattan specializes in self-esteem and dating and relationships. Oh. So unfortunately, uh. gaslighting is something we've been talking about for years. I would say it's like a more popular buzzword this past year. Yeah. But, you know, many of our clients have low self-esteem or, you know, negative thoughts about themselves, their body, the world at large. And when we're feeling down, when we don't feel confident is when we're most likely to allow someone else to be the expert in our life. And that's mm. really, to me, one of the key signs of gaslighting is that someone else is the expert 
And mm. sometimes when we get into a relationship, it feels good to not have to drive the car. Yes. But right. after a while, you want to get back in the driver's seat. And when someone's not putting the car in park for you to take control, that to right. me is a really big red sign that something's gone wrong. Oh my God. Okay. So this is amazing. And it leads me into my next question, which was in your practice and in the clients that you work with, what, what are, what comes through is like some common red flags that a person is being gaslit or how do you, how do you communicate to someone who's like, this is happening in my relationship? How are you, when you are like, Oh fuck, that's like definitely gaslighting. How, like, what are those things that people bring to the table? So humans are so different, but humans also are identically the same. So how we do one thing is how we do most. So while there are a million different people that gaslight, if you put them all in a room, we could boil it down to so many commonalities. But I would say the most common things that I'm hearing in the room where my brain is like, ding, 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 um, would be a partner that overcorrects you even when you're right. Um, a partner that calls you crazy, denying facts that you both know are true. I always give the example, if someone told me the sky was purple enough times, I, I might believe them. But if I know the sky's blue and someone tells me it's purple, hopefully I have enough confidence to let them know that they're wrong. Um, mm-hmm. When your partner's mistakes become your own. So if mm-hmm. your partner tripped on something and then you were blamed for not picking it up or not cleaning up the apartment, when in reality it's like, hey, Dick, you know, yeah. look down at the floor as you're walking because I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive you could avoid the broom. Right. Right. And Move your shit. Also, yeah, like figure it out. We're all humans here. We're all trying our best. Um, isolation also is key. So in any relationships, only being two people doesn't work. It leads to enmeshment. It leads to unhealthy power dynamics. And also one person cannot satisfy all of our needs. So I find that when a partner or a potential partner is finding flaw in a client of mine's support system. Um, Oftentimes also finding issue with a therapist because of Mm. course a therapist is really able to support someone who's in an unhealthy relationship. So if a new partner or someone you're with all of a sudden finds an issue with every single person besides them in your life, ding, Mm. ding, this isn't looking good. Right. Right. And then also I would say like negative talk at you. So telling you that you're a terrible person or simply put, rejecting your reality. So something you've known to be true for 34 years generally isn't going to change overnight. And again, you know, following our gut and starting to notice that either we feel like we're changing or the world around us is changing much quicker than it normally does. Those mm-hmm. to me are the biggest red flags. And again, one of those things happening, if not unhealthy, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, gaslighting. But right. typically things happen in clusters, things happen in patterns. And really, we want to be in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, it's a familial, it's a romantic relationship. We all want to be in a relationship that builds us up and makes us feel good. And if your partner or your family or friend isn't doing that, I would definitely say it's a key sign to take a step back and look at what's working and what's not. Ding dong. Oh, my God. Ding dong. So hard. So, so So ding dong. You had a really good question, Jonathan. Jennifer oh yeah I mean like so this is something because I have some family there's definitely a lot of narcissism um in my life and has been um also a few sociopaths here and there um a but smattering. I've struggled yes yeah, a, a little sprinkling yeah. mm-hmm. a spring a spring of sociopath um <laughs> my sociopathic spring story um I struggle with 
you know, firstly, I think everyone has to make a calculation of who in their life is like in spite of their toxicity because everyone can be toxic. Um, like when to cut someone out, you know, but for those of us who have kept or keep people in our lives who do gaslight or who like lack empathy, um, you know, I struggle with boundaries, um, getting gaslit obviously, but like maintaining relationships with folks who, who lack empathy or gaslight. Um, like I was wondering, Jennifer, have you found a way to move forward with relationships after gaslighting or like after being gaslit? Absolutely. And you bring up to me what comes to mind is boundaries and boundary setting. So Mm. we can't always choose every single person that's going to be in our life. And you gave examples of family. You can, of course, do your best to cut family out. But if you want to kind of work with what you got and you know who the players are, I think that we can adjust expectation. We can adjust our comfort level and Mm. also what we're going to put up with. So at the end of the day, and this may sound really harsh, but I swear it's true. They say it in a lot of books. Um, <laughs> we are in charge. I'm like, I promise it's true. I read it. Yeah. Great reality it. checking there. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. But um, it's our job to set our boundary, know our boundary, and most importantly, uphold it. So I right. could word vomit my boundary to someone 10 times, but if every time I see them, I let them cross it, then it's on me. And right. so often I would, you know, encourage a client to recognize who are the players? What's commonly happening? How would we want to go about it differently? So it's kind yes. of like in the Sex and the City movie when um, Charlotte is like planning what she's going to say when she says, sees Big and says like, I curse the day you were born. Yes. We all have the opportunity to pre-plan something like amazing for the biggest asshole in our life. But if the same thing happens over and over, you can kind of plan for the future. And right. We don't have to curse the day someone's born. But we can speak in a very simple way of when you do X, it makes me feel Y. And if you continue, Mm. I'm going to do Z. So Mm. when you call me a crazy bitch, it makes me feel bad. And if you continue doing it, I'm no longer going to hang out with you. And it's not always that simple. But when we can boil it down to here's what you're doing, here's how I'm feeling, and here's Mm. what I'm going to do instead, it makes it very clear and every party in the room has a choice. And it's so validating slash healing when you're like, I'm not fucking crazy and I'm not a fucking bitch. And if you do that again, goodbye. Like it's healing to be in a place. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But also just taking back the power and being like, this is my zone, my life. And by invitation only girl. And you did not RSVP. Yeah. Not RSVP girl. You did not get to save the date. You showed up at no. the party and the bouncer's not letting you in. But I also... Yeah, <laughs> yes, also, yes, the metaphor You did not forever. get a drink ticket. <laughs> exactly. But I also think that if you have a friend or someone in your life that's constantly manipulating you, I would also give you a double look and wonder, mm-hmm. why are we putting up with this? Because what we put up with, we end up with. Yeah. So right. if you're constantly seeing someone who's manipulating you, even if you're great at catching it, you're still right. allowing it to happen. So how do we shift the power dynamic or how do we decide who we want in our life versus where we're going to unsubscribe? And I think that this past year has allowed a very casual unsubscribe from anyone who oh, doesn't bring you joy. Yes. And that's, I was just going to say that, Jennifer, and mm. thank you. And thank you for the work that you do, because that's been my situation. Like I felt so shitty 
And then I started being like, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. And suddenly I'm finding myself feeling so good about my relationships and the people I have in my life. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so bizarre because I cut the toxic folks, the gaslighters and the narcissists and the sociopaths out. And now like when I see someone, I'm like, no, this is actually the reality that I live in and they're safe, you know, safer anyway. So that's so true. This last year has given a lot of folks a lot of clarity on that. And are you, are y'all saying that the, I'm assuming you're talking about the pandemic and you're saying because we've had distancing, it's a lot easier to kind of just like, like peace out of a, of a shitty situation. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I like to think, and in the therapy space, I always say, are we living life automatic or are we living life in manual? And for someone that says mm. I'm like driving a car, I don't know why I have all these reference points, but they seem to land. So we'll go with it. Go with right. it. Typically in everyday life, we have a routine that we go through. Um, sometimes we get to work, we don't even know how we got there. Or mm-hmm. did I pack my lunch? Oh, magically it's there. Like, unless you suffer from amnesia, which I hope most of us don't, Right. You're living in automatic. You're just going through these behaviors without any thought. And I found that through the past year, it's forced us to shift into manual. And we really had to make decisions. You're not seeing your friends every Friday at the happy hour you always go to. Mm -hmm. You're not Mm -hmm. doing all of the routine behaviors that you typically did. So when the world slowed down, when everything got quiet, I hope that it enabled many people to start deciding what they're missing, what they're leaning towards. In the first Mm. months of quarantine, there were certain people I was reaching out to and there were certain people that I was leaving unread. And that definitely showed me who were the people that were just there because I was just moving and grooving and following, you know, what I had previously been doing. And now I think that life, if you chose to look around, um, life can be much more authentic and you don't have to make up as many excuses as to why you don't want to hang out with someone. It can just be unavailable and that's cool. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But also like the social pressure to put up with bullshit sometimes. Like the whole narrative around like she's a fucking, she's toxic, but she's cool. Or she's toxic, but she can get me a reservation at Banu or whatever. And then, you know what I mean? Like there's the social pressure to like put up with people's gaslighting sometimes in order to like, be mobile socially or like Mm. so I don't know I think that like for me I like haven't felt the need to be cool or like be seen because part of that social component's been taking out and it's given me time to like kind of quiet some of the chatter and I'm like I don't give a fuck you know like I just want to live wholly and fully and healthfully and not like put up with people's gaslighting like fuck it you know, I'm like, I, I'm a live girl and I ain't got time. Yeah. Well, and speaking of healthfully, um, my last question, Jennifer is what, what are like some of the emotional repercussions of gaslighting and how do we heal from, from being gaslit? It's a great question. And I think what makes gaslighting so damaging and dangerous is it takes away our ability to trust ourselves. Mm. And that's really the moment that you start feeling crazy. So I would say the most common emotional repercussions are, you know, that someone has chipped away at your confidence and your self-esteem, feeling like you deserve the abuse or feeling like if I didn't have this person, I wouldn't even know you know, what truth was, obviously, because they've convinced you otherwise. Right. Um, I also think that even after someone is able to get out of this relationship, they then need to learn 
how to trust themselves again, decision-making, how to identify, you know, someone that can manipulate them in the future. And then I would say psychologically, you know, they're most likely to experience anxiety, depression, you know, symptoms of PTSD and also mm. codependency. Because if I'm being abused by someone and someone comes and saves me, I may quickly latch to that savior. Mm. And again, right. that's going to reinforce that I'm not the expert in my life. So right. anything that can be done to accept, heal, you know, reduce the shame, I would say most commonly looking to your supports, even if they're people that you were isolated from. If for mm. 15 years you could trust them, I'm pretty sure it's safe to go back there. Um, mm. You know, finding a therapist, finding a support, but most often it's starting to really heal from the separation you felt from yourself. So it's mm. a lot of self-esteem work. It's a lot of um, reality testing, which I know is a really clinical term, but, you know, deciding what you identify as truth and mm. also just reconnecting with your core. I think that so often, and I am guilty of this, we just move so quickly in life that we don't actually stop and think like, huh, does this feel good? Is this sitting well with me? Mm, and right. I think for anyone that feels like they've been manipulated, misled, gaslighted, you know, start to focus inward and start to trust your gut again. And you can really kind of blossom anew, I believe. But it yes. really, in my opinion, is through finding supports and finding understanding for yourself. I love that. Ugh, and I think that's, that's, I think that's one of the things of the, the pandemic is it's given people this pause, right? Where they're like, wait, does this feel good? Is this healthy? Am I being fucking gaslit? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. This has been such an amazing conversation. Thank both of you. Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you so much, Jennifer. I am like, I, I, I know that like, I knew a lot about gaslighting already, but I feel like I learned so much from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was fabulous. And where can people find you? Where are you in the ether? Ooh, in the universe. So my practice's website is manhattanwellness.org. And I would say the more user-friendly is on Instagram or Instagram. Insta. Manhattan.wellness. What is and it? We share Manhattan. Manhattan.wellness. Got it. And we share, it's a lot of memeage. It's a lot of sarcasm, but there's also... A lot of great uh, therapeutic techniques, ideas, journal prompts. We really created our Instagram as a way to reach people besides those that are in the space with us. Awesome. Love that. I'm going to follow you right now. Yeah, I want to follow you too. Okay. Yay. Awesome. And you can follow us on Instagram at Traumarama Ding Dong. We're also on Facebook at Traumarama Ding Dong. Facebook. Facebook. And also we want you guys to, um, email us, like, what are you doing right now? Stop what you're doing. Send us a little note. Be like, Hey, what's up? I'm someone today. email us, but don't, unless, yeah. And don't tell us about masturbation if it's weird, but like in a cool way, you can tell us. Don't um, gaslight us either. Don't gaslight us. God damn it. Trauma Rama ding dong at gmail.com. And also, yeah, go on to, um, Apple podcasts and subscribe, Spotify, review Anchor. Us. Yes. Yeah. Share us, share us widely. Yeah. It really helps. And it's cool. And it makes us um, so excited. We get so excited. It does. <laughs> it yeah. does. It does. Um, yes. And Jennifer, thank you so much. We like, we appreciate you so much and the work that you do is phenomenal. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you. All right. Manhattan Wellness, I'm going to go follow you on Instagram right now. Run out. Rama. Rama. Ding.
Dong. Okay, bye everybody. Goodbye. Beautiful voice. Bye.